It's time to talk technical analysis here on Money Life. And joining me now to do just that, Zach Johnson. He is Chief Investment Officer at Stack Financial Management. StackFinancialManagement.com, the website for the firm. And Stack Financial Management is a sister firm to Investec Research, which publishes the Investec newsletter. Jim Stack, the stack in Stack Financial Management, a long-time market observer, and kind of his analysis sets the tone. But Zach, well, he's picked up where his mentor has left off, and he's always fun to chat with. So I'm glad to say, Zach Johnson, thanks for joining me again on Money Life. Yes, excellent. Thank you for having me. So at Stack Financial Management, you guys are known for really taking a long view on history and trying to say, not where it will repeat itself, but what lessons can we learn? But I'm curious, how does history apply to what we're seeing right now when what we are seeing are numbers that are based on a situation, the pandemic, that we haven't really seen in 100 years and we haven't seen in modern markets at all? So we know what recoveries look like, but do we know what this recovery looks like? And are there lessons from the past that could tell us what we're likely to get next? Really, really good question and something that obviously we've been asking throughout the, the, the course of this whole cycle. And it has been important. And it's one of the reasons that we marry both macroeconomic data with technical indicators and, of course, bottom-up fundamentals when we're selecting individual equities. But it is important to kind of have all portions of that because data still tells you different types of stories, regardless of the macroeconomic reason that something takes place. You know, the data still tells you a story, and that's really what we're paying attention to when we're looking at technicals. So when we look at the technicals today, overall, we're still seeing a lot of strength. While the large cap growth and momentum names have seen some selling of late, breadth largely remains strong. The rotation in the value and the more cyclically sensitive portions of the economy have really picked up the slack. And, and quite frankly, that rotation is a very good sign as more and more companies are being included in this rally and it's not so segmented and not so concentrated. And, and more specifically, you know, we're really not showing the huge warning flags that tend to lead or tend to be in front of a massive sell-off. Um, you know, I, meant, I mentioned that breadth remains strong, so there is not a breadth divergence. Um, we aren't seeing persistent downside leadership. There are segments that are showing some downside leadership, but it's not persistent and, and it's not wide-ranged. The Bellwether Index, which is something that the Investech Research Group has put together, and really it's just an index looking at all different areas of the economy and all different sectors. And these companies, they're bellwethers throughout all economic cycles. It still remains pretty solid. It's not showing significant weakness. And, of course, transports are, are remaining strong, and, and you're seeing quite a bounce in a lot of areas in the transportation segment. So all of those are really, from a technical standpoint, they remain strong. There are some small short-term concerns that could lead to some sort of intermediate selling. The intermediate relative strength index is showing some overbought conditions, or at least very close to being overbought. Investor psychology, again, another new index that was created by Investec Research is this investor psychology barometer. And that is reaching and pushing to all-time highs based on the, the time period that this index represents. And so, Anecdotal evidence points to that. That makes sense. You know, when you when you talk about the speculation we're seeing, we talk about what retail investors are doing. Um, when you talk about some of these new fangled terms like NFTs 
And of course, everybody talks about GameStop and other names of that nature that just represent a lot of volatility and a lot of speculation. So those are some short-term concerns, but by and large, technicals remain strong. Technicals remain strong, but empirically, we're starting to get folks who are saying, well, this market's going to run for a while, but they can see the storm clouds. Do technicals show the storm clouds? And if so, what storm clouds are you looking at? Yeah, absolutely. And and we agree with that. And quite frankly, what we're anticipating is a more normal end of this cycle. And what does that mean? That means an interest rate monetary driven end to a cycle. Now, it's hard to talk about that when obviously we're in such a, a monetary driven cycle from a positive standpoint, meaning that, that the monetary environment has been so positive. The Fed has basically put the pedal to the metal for so, so long that it's hard to remember what an interest rate increasing cycle looks like. But what we're really starting to see the beginnings of that. We're starting to see interest rates really increase. And the question will become, when do those interest rates become overly burdensome? And at that point, you mentioned the storm clouds on the horizon. That's going to be where investors really need to pay attention. And that's where you start seeing breadth divergence. You start seeing certain segments of the economy that are much more interest rate segment will show significant weakness. And that really starts to lead to the idea of reducing exposure, being more careful with where you allocate. When you consider what we're going to be seeing, which is significant economic growth and the economy picking up and perhaps the stock market not keeping pace, because of course the stock market was ahead of the economy throughout the early stages of the pandemic. Now you think they're going to reverse roles. Does that mean that we're going to come away feeling at some point, not that the technicals don't work, but that the indexes don't work, that the market's not working because here are these good economic numbers, but the disconnect is now showing us that you can have good economic numbers, but that is not going to mean that the market is going to maintain performance, let alone necessarily even stay positive, right? Exactly. And, and you, you nailed it on the head with this point about the stock market leading the economy. We all know that's true. You know, many people use a, a nine-month time frame as the broad index tends to lead from an overall standpoint the economy by about nine months. But a concept that we've been discussing at our firm is the idea that the index is broken, or, or said differently, the S&P 500 index really no longer represents the broad domestic economy. And instead, it really only represents a very small portion of it. And this isn't the first time in history this has happened. In fact, um, give you a couple other examples. The Nifty 50 era, this is a time period going back quite a while where basically investors were led to believe that 50 specific stocks were permanent buy and hold investments that could never go wrong. And these were largely high quality, good, strong companies, especially at that time. The flow of capital that basically went to that segment of the market, went into those 50 stocks, led to valuations that were well beyond fair value. And of course, what happened going forward is the nifty 50, those stocks vastly underperformed going forward. And, and there were other segments to be, other places to be in the market to actually get gains and participate. Of course, the tech bubble of the 1990s, an easy example for everybody to highlight. Can't lose tech investments and massive speculation with this whole idea that the new economy is going to perpetually and permanently replace the old economy. And of course, we all know how that ended as the speculation unwound and the bubble popped. 
And today, you know, the top 10 of the S&P 500 represents about 27% of the index. And this has actually come down a little bit as these names have, have come off of their, their all-time highs. And once again, you can hear everybody talk about the new economy is anticipated to permanently replace this old economy. And sectors like basic materials or energy and industrials, all of those have largely been left behind, and people believe that those will never come back. So in our opinion, you know, these are examples of a historical context of where, you know, this idea of the index not being the place to be. And so for us, what we really are highlighting to investors is what are you to do in these environments? And number one, value does matter. You know, value investing, for lack of a better term, has become a four-letter word over the last decade. But we continue to believe that you can pay too much, even for the best companies in the world. And a margin of safety is, is a very important tool to have in your arsenal. Um, the second is diversify away from the S&P 500 index. You know, move further down the cap scale. Uh, seek out forgotten areas that still have strong earnings growth, and they have potential and more attractive valuations. And then finally, international markets, there's a relative value opportunity when you look overseas. The post-COVID economic rebound is going to become real around the whole globe, and international equities from a valuation perspective are not nearly as high as they are as the domestic market. And of course, emerging markets is a beneficiary from any type of commodity move. And, and those markets also represent some valuation opportunities that we feel could be attractive. And when you say that the S&P is broken, is that a permanent like, hey, for you as a technical analyst, do you want to shift not just money away, but your focus away from its value as a tool? Or is it a temporary condition where like the Nifty 50 age or anything else, the Internet bubble, et cetera, you just have a time where the benchmark doesn't truly reflect the market. And at some point it will be a useful indicator and a more reflective indicator. Exactly. And I, I, it's the latter statement that I think is the important one. It's the difference between the fundamental analysis and the technicals. The technicals still have meaning in the S&P 500. Absolutely. You know, as I stated before, if we start to see these large cap names, um, you know, something that going back to another invest tech index, it's called the Gorilla Index that they created. And it's basically the largest cap names. If those show a massive amount of weakness, eventually that's going to flow over to the broad market and bring everything down. So the, the technical analysis of the S&P 500 still has a lot of merit. So it, it's, we're not taking away from that side. But from a fundamental perspective, and as an investor um, with, with, with allocation to different areas of the market, it's time to start moving away from the broad market cap weighted index and look elsewhere for opportunity. Zach, thanks so much for taking the time out to join me. Stay safe and we'll do this again and see how things are shaping out down the line. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for the time. That's Zach Johnson, everybody, the chief investment officer at Stack Financial Management. You know the name of the firm, so you can go find out more. StackFinancialManagement.com. Again, they publish the Investec newsletter or Investec Research. Their sister firm publishes the Investec newsletter. Okay, we are heading for home on the Friday, March 12th edition of Money Life. Up next, Doug Ramsey, the chief investment officer at the Luthold Funds, the Luthold Group. He will be here. He's got some really interesting research. We're going to talk about that when we come back right after this message.